Hey, good morning, church. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Adam Fagenkella, and I'm an elder here at Graceway Community Church. I'm excited to be here uh, with you today in your home fellowships as we work through the last sections of Ephesians. Uh, this week we'll be specifically looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, through chapter 6, verse 13. And then tomorrow, which will be the last day of the month, uh, we'll wrap up Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, and man, it has been such a rich time uh, looking through the letter of the Ephesians and, and really studying and looking to draw out some of the meanings and the depths and the themes and the patterns we see. You know, one of the biggest things that I have really been struck by as I'm reading through this letter is just the repeating words that Paul uses. And these words, for me, trigger certain biblical images that I believe Paul is trying to draw out for us and paint a picture. You know, I imagine of it being something like this. Have you ever shared, uh, watched a movie with maybe some of your friends uh, and you maybe Keep pick up on some of the key quotes uh, that are said in the movie. And so, you know, as you're going about your days or, or you know, after the movie, you say things like, hey, hasta la vista, baby, or, <laughs> or let it go. And, and these words like hasta la vista, baby, if you've seen the movie Terminator 2, you know exactly what I'm talking about or the movie that I'm referencing. And so these words trigger these images in your head because we have a shared context. And so words trigger images which help us to communicate something in the context of what it is that we're trying to, what we've experienced together and what I'm trying to speak with you, speak to you and trying to relate to some of the context that we're both familiar with. And so some of the words that we see over and over through the book of Ephesians and even wrapped up in this last section um, is these images that we see from Genesis. Words like body, flesh, one, two, becoming one, referring to a Gentile and a Jew becoming a new man, a new creation. We see these images of sinful deeds being unfruitful, this tree images that we see recurring throughout Paul's letter, not just in Ephesians. These things aren't isolated to Ephesians. But you can see that the Apostle Paul has Genesis on the brain. And he's writing these letters to you and anticipating that you also have Genesis on the brain. You see, Genesis is uh, just one of the books of the Torah, five books of the Torah, and Paul was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. Um, you know, from, from, from a very young age, he was brought up, circumcised on the eighth day, he says. <laughs> so from, from birth, he was born into this. And so, Jews, as a Jew, as a faithful Jew, he's taught to meditate on the Torah day and night, thinking about and reading and going over these images. And so Paul is talking about the mysteries, these mysteries that we see from the foundation of the earth. I just want to read a couple because I think they're so cool when you have this Genesis imagery in mind. And even in, in the beginning of the letter, he says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He's talking about the beginning. He's talking about creation. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. God set up man in the garden and gave him dominion to, to rule and to subdue the earth. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which is what? Working in the garden, being in partnership with God, and enjoying and working in his creation, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I just keep going. Do you want me to keep going? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down his flesh, dividing the wall of hostility. So just go through your Bible and count all the times he says body. Actually, I, I counted it for you. So body is used nine times. Uh, the word mystery, six times. And we'll talk about the mystery uh, in chapters 5. And the verse 1. 15 times. Now, just to give you a, a point of reference, the word Lord is used 25 times. So that one's really important. <laughs> and so this just kind of gives us a context, uh, a shared image that Paul is kind of looking at. For, for me, I just get all, all giddy inside when, when I think of that, because not only am I able to listen to Paul's words as I read through Ephesians, but I'm also able to look at what Paul's looking at, giving me insight into his mind, <laughs> giving me insight into the things that he was thinking about as he wrote these letters, as he wrote these letters for you and I. So, we're going to get into uh, and try to focus on chapters 5, um, probably looking at verses 22 through 33 in his address to wives and husbands. Because in here we see all these images kind of come together as a very practical point. So in the beginning of chapter 5, uh, you know, he's telling us to, to take no part, to, to put off the old self and to stick to the new. You know, in, in verse 15, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So he's encouraging us to be fruitful. You know, that word's fruit, unfruitful, oh, some themes that you see over and over in Paul's letters. Again, fruit is a part of what? A tree? Where do we see trees in the Bible? Where's the first place we see a tree in the Bible? It's in the garden. Uh, so Paul has, Paul has Genesis, Torah on his brain. And so it says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise as wise. You know, I just want to make a quick note on this wisdom. You know, one of the first times we see the word wisdom used is not in reference to Solomon knowing a lot of things, right? We know King Solomon was the wisest man in the, in the, on the earth. Um, and so this word wisdom is also used in reference to skills, you know, things that you're good at. You know, so live as people that are wise, you know, find something you're good at and live in that way. Use that thing, you know, instead of stealing, we're giving instead of being drunk. Right. We're filled with the spirit. It's not saying don't have a drink. It's saying don't be drunk with debauchery and singing all these drunk songs. Hey, let's be filled with the spirit and sing psalms and, and spiritual songs and use our heart and our minds to glorify and worship God. So it's just putting off the old, very practical. And hey, I'm going to use these things that I, I, I participated in evil, evil deeds, unfruitful. This is what he calls them, unfruitful and live as children as light. So darkness, light. Genesis. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. Um, so that's really cool. So wisdom is, is just using, using what we are good at to glorify God in the light. Now, verse 21, it says, 
submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this is where Paul is doing the layup. He's he's setting up the address. He's going to address wives and husbands, children, masters, and slaves. And so we're going to get into that. Verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. In some translations, it says subject. Now, this has been one of those verses that can be controversial uh, because it can be used to oppress. When we hear the word submit or subject, um, you know, those things can be used pervertedly to oppress others. Um, but that's not what the intent is here. So let's read through it and then we'll, we'll go into it. It says, verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, and that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one has hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are all parts of his body. Verse 31. Here's a quote from Genesis directly. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Two become one. We've heard that term in Ephesians. I know you get it because I keep saying it. This mystery... How many times have we heard the word mystery? <laughs> uh, is great. And this mystery is speaking of the same thing. All right. So this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, as for you individually, each husband is to love his own wife the same as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. So we see this dynamic between love and respect. And, and the praxis actually addresses that, which is really cool. So what I want to do is I want to go to the picture that Paul's looking at. As he's speaking to this, what are the images that he has in mind? And he's looking specifically at Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 18 through 25, which says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every animal of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. So we hear one of the, one of the first times Adam's given a job to do, right? God set Adam in the garden to work and rule in the garden in partnership with God. And we see here one of their first good works, right? So God, what does God do? He does his thing. He raises up animals and then he brings them to Adam. And what does Adam do? He names them. Now, God saw that he didn't have a helper and, and it was not good. But he also gave Adam an image of animals, because it's plural, together. So male and female together. These animals were brought to Adam and he could see that there were two where he was one. And so Adam does his job. All right. 
The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the sky and to every animal of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helper suitable for him. Genesis chapter 2 verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And then he slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in that place. Time out. <laughs> so this Hebrew word for rib... Uh, dang it, I had it pulled up here, um, is an interesting word. Why is it interesting? Uh, because it means side, and in nowhere else in the scripture is it translated as ribs. Now, why is that important? I will tell you. Let me pull up the word right here. I should have been a little bit more prepared. Uh, so, and the rib. So, it's a Hebrew word, selah. It means a rib curved literally from the body or figuratively, hence a side. So if you do a word search on that Hebrew word, there is no other time that word is used as a rib. Why is that significant? What point am I trying to make by parsing that out? Because I believe, right, that the word silah, not silah, Silah, yeah, I'm probably butchering that pronouncement, isn't just referencing to a part of his side. He's referencing to a side of Adam, like a physical. So don't think rib, think Siamese twin, okay? So when God took a side from Adam, image Siamese twin. Am I saying that Adam was a Siamese twin? No, but there's an image here of a side of Adam being cut off, not just a part of Adam being cut off, okay? Why is that image important? Because God created us in his image, right? And so he's using these images, right, as image bearers of God. And when I say the image of God, I, I don't necessarily mean a picture of God or a reflection, which scriptures talk about and Paul talks about the image of God a lot too in Colossians and other places, but it's also as an ambassador, so a representative of God. You know, in ancient times, um, a pharaoh would be the image of God. And you know, a lot of times these rulers, Caesar, Alexander the Great, you look at all these kings and rulers of ancient times, they were seen as gods by the people. And so they were looked at as the image of God or idol, which is like a statue of God. And so man were, was created as God's image, God's ambassadors, God's representatives to work and to rule in the garden. That's the design. We're called to work and rule in creation, in partnership with God as his image, as his ambassador, as his representative. And there's this partnership that we have with God. Now we all know the fallout of the garden and that's not what I'm going to get into today. But I wanted to reference this equal partnership that was in the design of creation. Let's continue on. And so then the man said, now after he put him in a deep sleep, he made the woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this at last is my bone of my bones and my flesh of my flesh. He's looking at, hey, this is my side. This is, this is me. He's looking at the woman and saying, this is me. Think of, think of the letter to the Ephesians and how we're called to love our wives as a part of our body. 
as a part of our flesh. No man hates his own body. He loves his body. Why? Because it's him. And so this relationship that we have with our partners is an image and of Christ's relationship with us. Let me finish verse uh, Genesis verse 24 and 25. Therefore a man, this is what Paul quoted in Ephesians, shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now that verse 25, in the context of this equal partnership, right? Now, it's not when I say equal partnership between a man and a woman, between God and the original humans, which we're called to be like in new humanity, a new creation, this partnership means doesn't mean we have the same role. There are different roles that we play in our partnership, in our marriages, in our work relationships, right? Masters and slaves, in our parental relationships, you know, there are roles that are established for us. And a lot of these roles are circumstantial to our society, to our culture, different things, right? Different things. But regardless of the roles, our partnership is equal, is equal. I'm not saying that we're equal to God, but I'm saying God values us. He created us for these works, for these things, to be in partnership with him. And in verse 25, we see, and the man and his wife are both naked and were not ashamed. What does that mean to me? There were no insecurities, no feelings of inferiority, no feelings of shame, right? That's the design. That's the design. These are, these are the things that Paul is looking at when he's speaking to the church. And he says, this is the mystery that from the beginning and the formation of the earth, that God would use this mystery for what? As an example of his church that he created. So he had you and I in mind in this formation, <laughs> That's amazing, right? It is to me. I was think about it. He had you and I in mind from the beginning. From the beginning. Because when you look at the genealogy, right? If you look at the genealogy of Adam, there's, there's always the chosen, right? Through Abraham, God, his lineage. And so it always takes a turn from Abraham to David to Jesus. And then the mystery is how God, from Jesus, brings it all back to all humanity. But he set himself apart to distinguish because of the fall he needed to make sure that we could trace him and and what he's doing through these people the Israelites uh, last thing I wanted to to talk about because we see the same words over and over and there's there's a submit to one another submit to one another not just wives but all of us in relationship to Christ so as we're submitting to others we're not just submitting to each other Personally, we are, but we are doing so in light of who? In light of our Father, in light of the true head, uh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah. So in verse 6, I just wanted to address this quickly. In light of all these things, in light of submitting to one another, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
And then he says to put on all the full armor so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our submission to one another, and, and I, the letter of Ephesians, it, it talks about this, has, by doing so, we disarm the heavenly realms. It is through submission and love. And so we see this spiritual battle play out directly in our marriages, in our relationships with our friends, in our relationships with our parents, in our relationships with our co-workers. That's how, you know, the master and slave dynamic. There's a whole lot to that and how Paul felt. Just go check out the book of Philemon and that will give you a really cool insight into Paul's feelings and thoughts uh, about slavery. Um, anyhow, it's we're all equal and one in Christ Jesus. And that's a theme that we see repeated over and over. And that's a theme that points back to the original design in Genesis. And by doing these things, we disarm the spiritual principalities. And that's how we win our battles. So let's say a prayer and I will release you back to your home church leaders. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, Father. I thank you for all that you have done, the things that you have formed and planned from the foundations of the earth, Lord, uh, for us to see, to live, and to walk through today. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy, Lord. I pray for the groups, God, as they uh, go into your discussion, Lord, and fellowship, Father, that you just, your Holy Spirit, be present with everyone listening to these voices, to this video, and that you speak your light, your truth, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church family, be blessed.